Cheese Radio, where we specialize in horological hot takes, taboo topics, and often unpopular watch opinions. My name is Schmidt, and I'm joined once again by my co-host. You guys know him. You love him. The meme lord himself, Mr. Brodinky. What's going on, bro? How are you doing yo, tonight? Yo, lucky number seven. Hypes. Lucky number seven. I like yeah. it, man. We're here. We're here for number seven, and uh, it's a thing. We're doing. We're doing it big. You know, every week we're recording a new episode. So uh, hope you at fans at home are enjoying what we're putting out. And but today we have appreciate that even on a holiday week, we are getting an episode out. All right. We have to. No we days cannot, off. We cannot have any days off. But we have a pretty exciting topic for you guys today. Um, bro and I have been, you know, spitting this back and forth and trying to figure out something cool. Um, and uh, we came up with the idea about maybe positioning the one watch collection, the one thing that most collectors want to stay away from because, hey, we're collectors for a reason. So I'll let bro kind of dive into more what we're going to cover with this topic and what stipulations we're going to have with regards to the rules for collecting this. You know, we try to keep it fresh on this show, try not to do too much overlap with a lot of other topics that people have covered. And so, you know, we try to keep it a little spicy and kick ideas back and forth that we think people are going to enjoy. And so I think this is one that everybody kind of mulls over from time to time. Could I be one watch person? And we're going to use one watch person because one watch guy is an outdated term, right? We're inclusive. True. She's radio. True, 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 true that. Not to mention a good chunk of our group are lady collectors. Shouts to the ladies out there. <laughs> um, but always. We, we've, uh, we've always, I, I know I personally have always wondered, could I do it? And I've always thought maybe I could get down to two or three watches. I don't ever think I could do one, but I do know people who are at least trying. I have two friends of mine that are lifelong watch guys, lifelong collectors, and both are paring back their collections right now. And just in talking to them, we kind of were going over the idea of why you'd even want to do that. Why would somebody want right. to be a one watch person? And a lot of it came down to having too many choices is a headache, right? You roll out of bed in the morning, you get dressed, and now you have this decision of some people have a box of 10, 12 watches, maybe even more. Which mm -hmm. one am I going to use? Do I have to take it out and wind it? What's running? For some people, it's easier than others. Like I myself, a lot yeah. of times will just take, usually I have two, probably two watches running and then a couple rando quartz options. I'm usually taking something that's running, but for a lot of people, it gives them a little anxiety of having to do that. So I can understand the liberating feeling of only having one, maybe two choices, just grab it and go. Yeah. So feeling overwhelmed, looking at a pile of watches, having significant money tied up in different watches, many of them may be going unused. I know at, there are times in my own collection where I just don't wear a watch for a couple of weeks and then I'll rekindle my relationship with it and I'll wear it a couple of weeks straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's a real thing. Plus, let's face it, certain watches are not cheap to service, maintain. Long run could be costly. I understand that angle too. Mm -hmm. And then you have other people like our friend Sam. Hi, Sam. Who worry about hey, sharing wrist time with their watches that feel guilty when they don't evenly distribute time on the wrist. Almost like the watches have a personality. Which yeah. I get. I I guess they're a little bit like having kids if you're if you're not a mom or dad or what have you. Right? They're kind of like your children. So I understand you don't want to play favorites, you want to spread it out. Sure. 
And then lastly, I mean, the, the hassle of buying and selling is real. That's just what it is. Buying stuff, I mean, it's annoying. You have to try to find a deal. You don't want to pay tax. And, you know, there's not that many discounts a lot of places anymore. It's not like that. It just isn't. So between that and selling, you have to list things. You have to field offers. You get annoying question people. It's, I understand it completely that once, once you're kind of done with that, you also feel just very free of having to do that again. Yeah. You know, so it seems like an easy task. Hey, well, I could just be a one watch person. And why not? But could you really? Because you're going you're gonna to have to pick one. <clears throat> That's true. But I, I will say this as a caveat before we really dive into this. At one point in time, we all were one watch people. Let's be honest. If you think back to the first time that you put on a watch that you really felt was your own, and was kind of the gateway watch for you to get into watches. At one point in time, we were all one watch people. And we started out with very different pieces from different price points. And that was really kind of our exposure level. But, you know, it's not an impossible task. But now, because I love pieces so much, I don't think it, for me, I could do it. But if I had to, there's some pieces on my list that I think I could do it with. And so kind of laying it out here, um, you know, this is kind of where we want to get started. So um, do you want to kick it off? Do you want me to do it? I'm, I'm open either way. Well, let me finish that off with sure for those two friends of mine. Um, one is going with a Cartier Santos little dressy. Okay. Okay. The other one is, well, he has a, a weird situation because he was lucky enough to get a Speedmaster from his mother as a gift. So he cannot move that one way or another impossible move, even if he wanted to. Right. Sure. And his other watch is a, a little 38 millimeter Seiko. It, I don't know if it's branded as a cocktail, but it's a little 38 millimeter texture, dressy kind of watch in like a matcha color. Very cool. Very easy wear. Okay. Okay. But so those are like his two that he's kind of sticking with. And uh, it's funny. They Our kind of joke is that like uh, it's almost like becoming a samurai. Like you have to find out what you truly love and what will stick with you forever. And it's kind of like your samurai training. Like the only way to do it is to be battle tested. Buy yeah. and try out lots of different models, be involved, make mistakes. It's all part of that like Bushido rite of passage. And then at the end, you become the samurai and you're the one watch wiss. And that's just what it is. But that's like our, our little inside joke in our group chat. You, you, you have beat the final boss, Ben Clymer, at level 200 <laughs> before you can finally cross the threshold, right? That's it. That's it. So kind of throwing this episode together. There were certain things I wanted to try to meet as far as criteria go, because I feel like there's certain things that an only watch should cover. To an extent, you're going to need a little bit of that X factor, the eye candy. It not only has to look great, but I would think you want a little bit of brand appeal, right? Because sure, absolutely. You don't just want to be able to stand out to watch people. You at least want to be respected by others, right? I mean, you have a business meeting. Random people on the street had hey, a nice watch. What is it? Well, mm -hmm. let me. Mm -hmm. You don't want to tell them about some run of the mill. I don't know, whatever kind of model it might be. But I think you want a little bit of curb appeal. I think that's not unreasonable. I think that's a, a sure. reason why a lot of people buy a watch. Sure. I think you have to be able to dress it up at least a little bit. I know not a lot of us are too dressy anymore, but I'm also not confident that a true dress watch could be versatile enough to be an only watch because i don't know if it's gonna be there's a, a there's a fair argument to be said for that 
there's Fair a, argument to you know, a toughness that. requirement that I will get to, I feel like. But, you know, yeah. plus uh, Bond War is Seamaster with the Tux. So who cares? <laughs> Rules are meant to be broken, my friend. So That's we're right. good. That's right. <laughs> On the other hand, versatility is a big, big thing, at least for me. Um, I think it needs to be able to handle everyday life. If you're a commuter, you're going to be on mass transit a lot. I know you and I both have kids. Yep. I don't want to be afraid to be around water or if it's a rainy day, like when you have a, a really nice vintage watch. And that's why I kind of wanted to keep vintage somewhat out of it because I didn't want to sure. get too involved with having to worry about materials wearing down and things like that, gaskets. I'd rather just be peace of mind, go with new watches, leave it at that. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Okay. So new watches. Okay, what else? What other? What else are the rules? I think accessibility is going to be a big one. <laughs> this is probably going to tweak a lot of people. Yes, it is. I think it's going to hurt the argument for a Rolex here because we don't make these episodes just for us or just for the high horology crowd or people with connections. We make these for everybody. And that includes people who are just starting out, people who are collecting on an everyday level. There's no kind of uh, floor or ceiling here. So we'd like our episodes to be relevant as possible. And, and realistic. Think, yes. And I think people confuse availability to be purchased with accessibility. An Oyster Perpetual at five grand is accessible. An Oyster Perpetual at 20 grand is not accessible. <laughs> yes. Just because you can buy it on the gray market on Chrono for six times the retail price or whatever the calculation is, five times the retail price does not mean it is accessible. If you could buy it at the retail price, that's something different. And so, even for a lot of people, I, I don't know if that is accessible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Plus, you know, the super hype train watches, they're not really Richie's radio style. And, uh, you know, you have to kind of watch your back with stuff like that. They, they do command a lot of negative attention. Uh, I know a friend of the show actually just got one stolen off in another country, really uh, kind of a sad situation, but everybody's okay. You know, not going to name any names, but uh, my heart goes out to that guy. He's a great dude. And also, on the other hand, I just don't want to be worried about damaging a collector's item. Yeah. When you have a watch that's at least, even if, if it's just considered scarce, I don't want to have to worry about damaging that on the daily. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to do my thing. And if, you know, heaven forbid I'm wearing it at work and I didn't think I was going to get my hands dirty that day, and I, I do, and I, yeah. I ding it, I don't want to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. So I think those are big points. I know I personally looked at somewhat more conservative designs, so I try to leave out kind of awkward case shape sizes, so no sure. Panerai, no Bell & Ross. I kept my color schemes a little tamer, and I guess if it's something like a Strat Monster, it's kind of a plus because I want it to be exactly. personal as possible. Yes, yes, yes. You and I think so alike on these types of things when we, when we plan this out. It's, it's, funny, it's funny how many similarities we share with our own kind of mental landscape as to what we're looking for yeah and so while that's a giant laundry list it's really not when you think about it but it's just a lot of explanation yeah of so, course but i mean again we got we have to frame this conversation if not we'll be just pulling stuff out of left field and it and it wouldn't make sense so yeah I would, i'd like to at least have a guideline for the folks to follow along with at home okay all right so that said you set out the rules you gave us the playbook why don't you take the first step on the field okay and i've got a few different price points here again we kind of do the show for everybody. I'm leading off with an Oris. This model I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for. It's the Big Crown Pointer Date. You can get them in 36, 40, 
I'm leaning 40 because it has a 20 mil lug size. The 36, I believe, has a 17. Oh, gonna, okay. It's going to get right. a little hairy there. A little, a little different. A little all right, bit. all right. So, you know, they have gray, blue dial. They have a few others that are a little more out there. The Oxblood. They have a green with bronze. Holstein edition Other one is another yeah. one. They're all pretty versatile, pretty reasonably sized, and not too pricey. I think they come in just around 1700 1800 So not awful. Yeah. 50 meter water resistance. Not bad. Really cool day complication was a plus for me. I mean... For me, that's yeah. a neat talking point. I think even somebody who's not into watches, they would say, oh, well, what does this watch well, do? And you can say, well, check this out, right? It's at, at least yeah. something to, to boast about a little bit. Absolutely. And again, you know, pointer dates are not complications that we run into often. And it's almost so trivial because, you know, a date wheel can solve this for you, right? If you really yeah. need to have a date. <laughs> but, you know, especially given the price of the actual piece itself, to have something that, that adds a little bit more visual interest to this to that price point, to that color scheme, I think is, is really special. And again, you know, there's, there's, there's great things to be had at all price points. So I think this is a really solid choice for an everyday type watch. You know, it's got that cool stylized bezel, sweet minute track, cathedral hands, which are a personal favorite of mine. Yes. It's almost like a sexier Swiss alpinist. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Absolutely, I mean, that's probably a great way to describe it. And it's funny that you mentioned the pointer date because my sister, she had a college roommate who had his dad's old pointer date. Oh, those like are really from, cool. Like, like an old, old Oris pointer date from probably the ooh, um, late 90s, early 2000s. And it was like, I think, 35 mil, like something really small. But it was, an, it was a more modern timepiece because it, it was already when Oris was putting on red rotors and all that stuff. So it was a more modern piece. But I remember seeing it for the first time, I'm like, so like, are you in the watches? He's like, no, not really. But I wear this one every day. It's my dad's old watch. Like, I love it. And I was just, I just remember being drawn to it. He came over for Christmas one year. And I just remember being drawn to it. I'm like, man, that's, that's pretty cool. Like, what a cool, interesting watch. I had really never seen one before. And then since then, obviously, they got bigger and bigger and bigger. But, you know, great, great all-around piece. It's amazing. Good yeah, choice. And I think... I think it falls into the category of a potential strap monster, checks a lot of the boxes. Maybe not 100% on the, the curb appeal, but I know at least around me, there are some Oris ads around New York, and uh, the manager of the Yankees wears one. So that gives you something. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's a big Oris there's guy, a, Aaron Boone. There's, this, there's some street cred there. I mean, again, and Oris is a good, it's a good brand. They got a great price point. They've been making some big moves, especially in movement development and movement technology. I've been coming out with anti-magnetic stuff, big power reserve stuff. Yeah. They've been doing skeletonized work. I mean, Oris is not a small player in the game. They're a smaller player when it comes to price point, but it doesn't mean their quality is any less superb. So uh, that's a solid, that's a solid, solid choice. Couldn't you could not go wrong. All right. Why don't you throw one at me here? Yeah. So I got a I got a a little bit less expensive option. Again, we're doing this for for kind of all different price points. So the first one I want to throw at you is uh, the Tissot Gentleman. So this is, it's not my favorite name for a watch. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll, I will be honest with you, but especially the newer versions of the, of the Gentleman timepiece, which has been recently re-updated. Um, they now feature all Powermatic 80 movements. So if you're not familiar with Tissot's offerings or other offerings within Swatch Group, 
Powermatic 80s are 80 hour power reserve movements. Beasts. They have a slight, yeah, a beast. I mean, they have a slightly lower frequency than most watch movements. It's basically a modified version of an ETA, uh, but it's been upgraded to have an 80 hour power reserve. And specifically, the new gentlemen that came out, I think, within the last year or two, um, they are equipped with silicium hairsprings, which is fancy word for silicone. So at $775 US, so eight, under $800, you can get a decently respectable watch brand with a great style. There's black dials, silver dials, green dials, blue dials. You take your pick. Strap options, bracelet options. You could do two-tone bezel or all steel, whatever. Under $1,000 or so. And you're getting it with a silicon hairspring inside with an 80-hour power reserve movement. It is a watch you could wear dressed up. You could wear it to a nice business out, outing if you need to. But it's also something that if you have, you know, some cocktails out with your buddies at the end of a, of a long night, I mean, it's going to look great in all these situations. And I think that's really what speaks to, to making a great all-around choice. It's just something that you could do everything in and not have to worry about it. And I think it's hard to really, you know, especially at that price point, it's hard to pass up something like the general. I just yeah. think it's a really solid choice. And that really affordable collector can get into it with a quartz movement. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the quartz models at like 375. So even if it's like your first watch or let's say we have any parents out there who are collectors and they want to get something for their kid, high school graduation or birthday, Christmas is coming up, something like that. Get them a gentleman. And maybe they're not ready for the automatic version, but at Quartz at 375 US, it's a great looking watch that they'll be happy to wear and they'll be able to beat up really, really well and kind of get used to wearing a timepiece. So I think it's a great choice. Um, I want one. I don't have one yet, but I, I do have a few TSOs in my collection. The gentleman would certainly fit the bill at it being added in there. Yeah. And I think TSO kind of has that same thing going for it. I know that we have enough ads around. New York City. I think they actually sponsor Madison Square Garden, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, there's a few different ones. I mean, their big sponsorship here in the US too is also like the NBA. So literally like all the NBA timekeeping is done by TSO. Oh, no way. Yeah, it's like the shot clocks and all that stuff. That's all TSO that's doing the sports timing. That's actually so all. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's all the NBA. That's why they have a lot of like um, a lot of basketball players. Like they started out with Tony Parker. Uh, for the Spurs when he was still playing. And then basically they kind of branched off into other different uh, ambassadors as well. Um, but they do a lot with, uh, with, with the NBA. I think they even present, I mean, and this is really like a big deal, but they even present like new draft picks with watches during draft day. So like they all get watches. But I mean, they're Tissos. These guys are wearing solid gold Rolexes anyway. So it's just kind of like, okay. But there you go. Thanks. Here's the photo. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your $375 quartz Tissot, sir. Like, oh, thank you. <laughs> it says NBA on the back. Uh, okay. I'll go with uh, my next guy here. All right. All right. I guess going along with the same idea, I'm going to kind of ascend here in price point, I think. Uh, my next choice is a Zin. It's a 556. Mm. It's the, <laughs> I believe it's the B dial with the stick markers and 38.5 millimeter, 11 thick, which is really nice. Kind of yep. fits that gotta watch perfectly. Mm -hmm. SW200 movement. I don't know if everybody yep. would be thrilled with that at 1360, but. Hey, you know, they, they run well. I mean, 
No, it's a tried movement. I'm just saying. I, you yeah. know, a, lot, a lot of people knock that when they see uh, Salida. But 200-meter two, water resistance can't go wrong just, there. Do people really get upset about that? I don't the know. The Salida there's, there's versus the, snobs e, the out Etta? There, man. <laughs> well, look, man. It's like you're buying a sub few thousand dollar watch. Like it, There's only a few choices here for movements. So it's like a Salida is a direct clone of the 2824. I mean, it's a, it's a good movement. And it's been out for a while now. It's not. It's not going to fail you, okay? It's. I mean, if it, it if it does fail you, then you service it. It's not a big deal. But I people drive me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll do a spot on movements one movement day. Movement like, Put everybody to sleep. I'm just gonna, Yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Just please fire questions to me, and I'll just answer them for you. It'd be like Jack Forrester. <laughs> So 200 meter water resistance, great there. You know it's tough as nails. It's a Zen. Yeah, I mean, it's a great watch. And no Explorer frills. vibes. Yeah, Explorer, Explorer vibes. vibes. Right. So for that non-accessible Explorer, here it is. You get your substitute. Yeah. Solid. Um, yeah. No frills. No worries. Very low maintenance. I feel like that's a watch I could wear and never worry about it. Never even think twice. I know. Yeah. It'll always be there. It'll always be ticking. I can. Beat the crap out of it. Not worried. See, and that's that's super important. And and I I've never personally owned a Zen, but I, I know some some collector buddies of mine who have. And just seeing one in the flash and in the metal and like being able to play with it and interact it, interact with it, it's such a great offering. That German brand really knows what the hell they are doing. They know how to make a watch and they know how to make a great watch at a great price point. And I think you get a lot when you when you do buy a Zen. Sometimes they are hard to get, especially like the I think there was what a five five six with a white dial that came out and was just like gone instantly. Yeah, like, it that was, was nice. <laughs> that was a, that was a sweet watch, kind of the reverse combination, but uh, super cool watches. Their dive watches are incredible too. So you know they have a piece in my heart. But uh, good choice, man. You're 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 picking some good ones. I want to say they just released a mother of pearl dial, which is kind of interesting. Did they really? I think I think it's the five five six. Definitely a Zen, hundred percent Zen, mother of pearl. I have to look this up because I'm just, I don't believe it. Oh, it's popping right up. Hold on. What is it? Ooh, maybe it is a 5.56. Five, I mean, interesting it because did. they have watches with a mother of pearl dial, but it also looks kind of cool. Do you, okay. Do you know what type of mother of pearl they're using now? No, I don't know anything about mother of pearl. <laughs> okay. So it looks like it's Tahitian mother of pearl. So for those who don't know what Tahitian mother of pearl is, Tahitian Mother of Pearl is black Mother of Pearl. And it occurs, quite frankly, in like very small places in the world. And one of them pri primarily is Tahiti. Like that's where the pearls are actually made naturally black. So they don't come out white, they come out black. So it's kind of a more aggressive, iridescent color. So it's like, and, you, know, you, you want vibranium, you got to go to Wakanda for that. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like it's only, <laughs> it's only going to come from one place. But Tahitian Mother of Pearl is really cool. I mean, it's obviously Mother of Pearl, so it has a little bit of a feminine aspect to it. Maybe that's who they're marketing here. But, you know, Tahitian Mother of Pearl is so, it picks up so many different colors when yeah, you it's wear like it. Rainbow. It's 100%. It's like grays and blacks and blues. You're going to get greens in there, some red. Um, so it, it really kind of has this chameleon effect that it just, it goes with everything. So I did not know about this, but this is kind of an interesting watch. It's not something that I would have kind of put together, but you know, if you're kind of going for more of a, 
of a unisex model or something a little bit more androgynous, like this would be yeah, the execution be a, isn't a, bad. No, it's not. It's 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 totally not. Not at all what I expected. When I'm like, oh, mother of pro, it's gonna be some white thing with pink lettering on it. On it. <laughs> I was full. I was fully waiting for it. But no, this is very cool. Five five six with mother of pearl. Yeah, and like you said, sucks. You can't try it on necessarily. You have to go through watch buys. Yeah. And is that the I, retailer for the states? I think so. I think it's watch buys. Okay. And you know, non wisp people probably won't get it, but you know, the whisk crowd is going to give you like standing ovation. Zinn is like <laughs> one of those brands that everybody just gets. They're like, yes. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. It, it is a, it is a good brand. And like I said, I, I I've never owned one personally, but I, I have a few buddies that have, and it's just like, they've been very, very happy with all of their purchases from Zinn. Like I said, they make her a dive watches. So yeah, Ooh. the divers have always kind of got me. I've never, I never bought one because, like I said, I can't handle one, and I'm kind of particular with the way divers wear. But yeah, that U1, U50. Yes, that's what my buddy had. He had the those, U1. Man. He had the U1 on the rubber strap, and it yeah. was just like, at first when you see the handset, you're like, mm, I don't know if this is me, and then you see it in person, like, okay, this is freaking cool. <laughs> so it looks, it looks, looks really good. What? Do you know what the difference is between the U50 and the U1? I don't. They size, I think. Oh, is it size? Yeah. Okay. Because the U1 think, is what, like 42? It might even be bigger than that. You think so? Oh, 44? Yeah, oh, 44, crap. I was going to say. Yeah. Whoa. I, I didn't know it was the that U50, big. I don't remember I being that big, though. I don't remember it being that big. I know my buddy had a U1 for sure. And I tried it on, on many occasions. I'm like, this, this feels great. So the U50 is maybe smaller. I think it's 41. I think. You are correct, sir. Let's go. You've done your homework. You've, you've, uh, you surpassed the, the teacher here. <laughs> Usually I'm bringing more of the facts and the size and the specs, but hey, you, you're beating me here with this tegumented steel knowledge. <laughs> All right. What else you got? I like it. Um, so my next choice, uh, taking it back in a little bit more of a retro inspired look, but something I still think is very timeless. Um, one of my favorite watches that I've never personally owned, but it's always been one of those watches, kind of like what we talked about on episode one and episode two. It just gets you by the nethers. Yep. And it's just like, you know, at some point you have to have it in the collection, no matter what, come hell or high water. You're just waiting for the right time, the right price, and the right condition to, to make that purchase. And for me, that's the, the Longines uh, Legend Diver. Ah, oh, good pick. Um, I love this watch. Date or no date? And if I had my druthers, it would be the no date version, but yeah, they're almost too. impossible to hide, define just because they were only produced for a very short time. And they were produced in a time where there wasn't really a lot of wisp people out there to collect them. So they were very quickly discontinued and then replaced with date models, which attracted more ran random people who were going to buy this watch, right? People want to have dates. Um, and I think today the modern version still con continues on with the date, but it's just now in, in a bunch of different colors. Um, that said, this watch with the, you talked about this on the last episode, right? That kind of compressor style case. Yeah. Although this one is not a physical compressor anymore to my knowledge, but it just has that kind of feel to it. Yeah. Um, it's gorgeous. I love the snake head hour hand. I love the internal bezel. 
The Longines logo looks amazing. It's one of the, the older logos. It still remains to be consistent, hasn't been changed or modified in the watch industry. The proportions are awesome. 42 mil for the case, and they, they, now they make smaller versions like the 36, for those of you who are more akin to, to smaller timepieces. And the fact that you have so many options now, you can do a black, you can do a blue kind of fume dye, you can do kind of like a tobacco color. There's a lot of different options. Yeah. There's some ladies' versions out there with mother. Kind of dig the bronze. Too. I'm not gonna lie to you. The bronze is sick, it's man. A little over I, the top. Definitely not a one watch, but part yeah, of the collection. Yeah, the, I could dig it. The the bronze is sick. Um, I'm really torn between three. <laughs> it's like the three I just mentioned. So there's like a tobacco dial. Um, it's kind of more on the on the on a bronzy brownish color. Then there's like a blue fume kind of look it's obviously not an enamel dial but it has that kind of blue to black outers uh outer coloration there yeah and then i love the the og black on black so i mean i don't think you could go wrong either way it's an incredible piece it's something that i would love to own in my collection um and i've just been i've been patiently waiting it's just it's such a cool piece of diving nostalgia and diving history that i think would be awesome to add and because of how refined it is I think it's a watch that transitions very well between sport and dress. I've never, when I've, when I've seen this watch in the showroom, I've always considered it a dress watch before I've considered it a diving watch. And to me, it's kind of, it's kind of that happy medium, right? Because you said it before, it's like, you know, when it comes to watches, we want them to be utilitarian. We want them to be able to wear for everything and dress watches make that difficult, right? You can't always pick up a watch and just be like, all right, I'm going to strap it on and, and go do the thing. Because sometimes it, you're, the situation doesn't call for it or something yeah. could happen and, and it could be damaged. So having a watch that really looks more like a dress piece but has the functionality of a sports watch, to me, is a great, is a great look for kind of that one watch. And I'll be honest with you, if I had to wear that watch every single day for the rest of my life, I would be more than happy to do so. I love it. Yeah, and I've seen some sick pictures of it on a NATO where it looks really good. Like not every diver looks good on a NATO. That one does. <laughs> and especially the Milanese. The oh, yeah. mesh yeah, bracelet the mesh. is so good on this watch. I mean, that's how I think it was originally sold that in a sailcloth. Oh, but so this cool. watch, oh, so good. So, so, so good. Give me a Milanese all day. Let's go. I like it a lot. Something off the beaten track. I think so, man. It, I miss this watch. <laughs> I've, I've loved it since it came out. I think it was, I think it was introduced in like 2010, yeah. 2011, something like it's been forever. And <laughs> it was funny. I had somebody listen to the podcast from last week's, last week's episode. And they're like, 2012, we were talking about the tutor. And like, and I was like, yeah, that was forever ago. And someone was like, it wasn't that long ago. I'm like, in the watch world, that's basically like generations. Yeah, when you get like, new editions slapped in your face every day, it sure yeah, is. Yeah. It's like that must have been like 20 years ago. It was so long ago, right? Anyway. So what do you got next? Okay. I'm going to go way up market with a pick. A little out of order oh, okay. Here. So a brand that I personally really, really like that I feel like doesn't get enough shine. The Watchmaker's Watch. Oh, okay. okay. JLC. Ah, yes. Now we will not. We will not butcher the name. We're not going to. No, I'm not even going to try that nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
when I first got into watches, one of the stylings, I guess you'd say, that I really fell in love with was this kind of just subtle. It's a subtle design, sort of the whole JLC aesthetic. And a quintessential example of this, the Master Control Date. Okay. Is the one I'm talking about here. It's 40 millimeter, 8.8 thick. So paper thin. Paper thin. Strat Monster, I'd say, you don't really have a bracelet option there, but I yeah. feel like any leather is going to look good on it. Kind of sterile, but it has a blue accent hand that I think might be enough to save it. You know it's got a brand name on it. Got some curb appeal, right? Doctor Strange wears one. Doctor Strange. Yeah. Not cheap. Seven grand. So yeah. again, accessibility, eh, not so sure. But I think it checks a lot of those but, other boxes. But but I'll say this though, if you're if you're considering accessibility to again, we've offered people different watches at different price points. So the accessibility is there. I think with JLC two is the fact that I can walk into a JLC boutique or retailer and buy this watch today speaks to the accessibility, okay? It may not be accessible for everyone to just be like, all right, here's $7,000 plus tax. But I think for a watch that's truly special, has a great you know, history, is made from a great brand, goes to that thousand hours test, like that's a great watch at $7,000. Now, that's my gateway drug, all right? My JLC crush has Uh-oh. always been the Master Ultra Thin Moon. <laughs> right? And you can get this thing yeah. 36 mils, 9.4 oh, thick with a moon phase movement in it. Oh, my God. For me, I don't know what it is. The moon phase is the ultimate flex complication. I know there are so many cool ones out there that are like precision timing and all these useful things. Moon phase, useless. I have no idea why I like it. I love it. It's not useless because for all of our friends who might be werewolves out there, they need to know when it's full moon. Okay. That, that I'm convinced that is the only people and why the existence of the moon phase still happens today is because we got buddies out there who are low key werewolves and need to know when the was, full moon was there is. that much cloud cover in Switzerland back in the day? Like, what? no, I, I think, I think more to be honest with you, all joking aside. I think, to be honest with you, it had a lot to do with um, with crops and farming. It was Most a way to know. Yes. It was a way to know when harvest was happening, things like that. Because back in the day, I mean, with, without going through too much history, but a lot of timekeeping that was developed was developed for religious ceremonies or out of necessity. So you had you know church bells that would ding the time for cities and everything, so people knew when to gather for worship. But you also had to make things time relevant so you knew when to plant crops when you need to harvest you know what days you could actually work earlier you know with full moons you would have the natural light of the moon to be able to do stuff in the morning before light things like that were really important to people back then and it just became more of a novelty now than a a function so my, my only other things i could surmise would be related to right a moon cycle is roughly around a month Mm-hmm. So that would be a long-term timekeeping deal or something having to do with the tides because I believe full moons have stronger tides. That's true. I think. Anyways, that was kind of my only connection I could think to the usefulness of this complication. But regardless, it is probably my favorite complication. And they are one yeah. of them, the many brands that do it well. Another one I really 100%. like is, is IWC. They do kind of the double moon. Yes. Those both hemispheres. Yeah. That is both hemispheres. Oh, that gets me. But those are 
very expensive. <laughs> you, you, you know, you know quite a bit about your moon phases, my friend. Twenty nine point point five days. It's a full lunar cycle. So, and you get your double moon for the double the double hemisphere. Good a, choice, bro. What can I say? Hey, you know, bringing and spitting facts. That's it. I like it. So even less accessible here at around ten grand. But... I, you know, but again, man, I. Accessible is such a caveat when you think of the world like sports Rolex, right? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, you said it earlier. It's like somebody was trying to, you know, buy an OP for $25,000. Like, it, like, I would much rather have both of those ALCs <laughs> for that price point, right? Like, I mean, and still have enough watch money left over to buy the other stuff you suggested, right? I mean, yeah. let's be honest. So I think, you know, accessibility, again, it, it's, it's, a, it's a relative term here. But if the fact that I could still walk into a JLC boutique and buy that watch and give them my money and happily own a piece of orological fandom is really cool. Yeah, and make them so, say the name out loud. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm not going to try to say it. But, it, it. For all of us who cannot pronounce it and would butcher it and who have not heard it correctly said, it will forever be JLC. But at least, you know, you get a few different dial options, rhodium, blue, black. You know it's going to look good on any strap you throw it on. Yeah. I guess the only thing I would worry about, again, would be if it was, I guess if you had a more rough and tumble lifestyle, I don't know if this is you. You know, if you got a lot of that commuting or something going on, I don't know if you want that finishing, being around all those metal bars and things like that, or passing by commuters. But I guess if it's going to be your only watch and you're going to wear it to the end, I guess... Do you really well, care? And, I don't know. And and I, and I think, you know, have you know that you mentioned that I, it's always so funny because and I and I'll talk about my last pick here too as well because I I decided to choose the Moonwatch and specifically because I think it's of all watches that I've owned myself having now experienced it I I understand what people have been talking about for so many years. It is 100% a strap monster. It is a watch you can wear with literally every type of strap and it looks good doesn't matter if it's a pink wool brook rubber tropic or if it's an alligator strap or something you know different a bracelet doesn't matter it looks good on everything and i think it's one of the most versatile watches out there just period now that said i mean i know just like the yay which i almost said i almost said it just like the jlc out there um you know, I think people might get hung up on the usability with the water resistance, right? It's only 50 meters. But let's be honest, guys, like that is more than enough to submerge the watch comfortably. Plus, I know the Omega with the Moon Watch has been master chronometer tested, and all master chronometer watches are certified to the water resistance, plus an additional fail safe, which a lot of people don't realize. So, whatever watch it is, could be a manual wind watch if it's 30 meters or 50 meters. If it is a non-diving model, it is certified to 20% past its stated depth. So it's 50 meters plus 20% for an additional failsafe. Hmm. If it is a diving watch, this goes out there for all the Seamasters and things like that, it's an additional 25%. So regardless, it will be okay. It's tested in water. It's submerged. It's under pressure. I am not going to do anything crazy in my Speedmaster Moon Watch that could potentially get water inside of it. Just don't push your pushers underwater. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just rule number one. Okay. But that's it. I mean, I think, you know, 
like the Jaeger, it's just like it. That's a watch to get. It is an ultimate watch. It is a great every day, and I love it. I mean, I have not taken this watch off since I've got it about maybe two months ago now, and I wear it every day. And it's one of those watches that I know what it's capable of, but I'm more cognizant about it, especially with the Hesselite, the crystal, right? Hashtag Hesse boy. boys. Hesse boys. Um, so I think you just learn to adapt to be more aware of it and know kind of what limitations you can do with it, right? And to some degree, there just, there just gets to be a point where you're just going to be like, you know what? It's a watch and I need to do the thing in it. And I think that sometimes we put too much kind of mental stress or pressure on ourselves to be like, oh, it's $7,000. Like, I can't scratch it. No, you're going to scratch it. Go ahead and scratch it because after a while, the scratches start to look pretty good. Like, I, I keep thinking back to your beat up moon watch. And I love that thing. Yep. It looks so good. I, and again, it's like seeing the, the, the eventual process to get a watch to that point. It's, it's kind of hard because you're like, I want it to be shiny forever. I want it to look good. But you're like, it, you know it's what? It's impossible. It, it, again, yeah, it's impossible, impossible to keep like, it fresh forever. No, no. I've already, since, since we recorded, I don't know what, episode three, when I was talking about my Speedmaster and it's one scratch lug, I've already scratched all the other lugs now. Yep. So it's just like, it is what it is. Just keep going. I, pause, I polished the Hesselite crystal a few times. Just keep going. It's a watch. Enjoy it. Love it. Use it. Make some memories and experiences with your kids and your family. And just wear it. It's a watch. You can do the one watch if you really want to. And I do think the moon watch and all the suggestions that we've put up so far are pretty good contenders. I can't argue with you. Went to the moon. <laughs> I... It, <laughs> I always have told this to people. It's like this thing passed tests that you will never yeah, be able to would replicate in your life. <laughs> and yet you're concerned about a swirly on your Hesselite crystal. Buzz Aldrin would slap you. You're being ridiculous. Okay. It's just the truth. The baby went to the moon. It walked on the moon. It's still certified for flight. It's done everything that you could ever imagine in a watch in the most harsh environment that any normal person could ever come into contact with ever. And you're concerned about wearing it during your nine to five. Don't wear it. It'll be okay. It's hey, question. Did, did they really lose one of the actual moon watches on the way to the Smithsonian? Yes, that's 100%. True. Oh my God. So some, somewhere somebody has unless it got destroyed or lost forever but somewhere some some somewhere someone has um is it armstrong's i think it's i think it's neil's either way I it's, 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 it's i mean it's obviously two big yeah it's, it's either neil or it's either buzzed and it was on the way to the smithsonian and it disappeared under mysterious circumstances the big problem is though is all these guys were military and there's always been like kind of the the running joke that things get tactically acquired, yeah, which is just a military term for it just got stolen by somebody in the military. So like I I have buddies that are like, yeah, he's like, you know, yeah, this uh this these army dudes were kind of you know jumping on our face on this marine base about you know what was going on. So we decided to tactically acquire their Humvees. I'm like. What you guys stole their their trucks? Like, no, no, we didn't steal them. 
we tactically acquired them. I'm like, oh, okay. So yes, you stole them. So there's a lot of like infighting and things like that. And, and stuff gets lost or it gets missing or whatever. And it's just like the government will pay for another one. So it just, it goes away. Nobody knows what happened to it. I can't yeah. imagine how much that watch is worth. Uh, yeah, I mean, and again, it, it's, it, and it's, it's funny. It's probably went to this guy who like, who was like, all right, I got the watch. And then like, it's like in a sock drawer somewhere. And this kid's like, yeah, this is an old grandpa's watch. Like, I don't know where he got it. We don't know anything about it. Uh, he engraved the back though, really badly. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, terrible. Yeah. I mean, again, who knows? It's probably sitting in a Christie's or Antiquorum vault somewhere, just waiting 30 years from now to be like, we finally found Buzz Aldrin's watch or whatever. We're going to sell it. for. It'll be a hoodie one day. Oh, so stupid. Yes. <laughs> like the Newman Daytona. Ugh. Newman's Newman or Newman's not Newman. <laughs> I, I, I just can't even keep track anymore. I'm just like, just, just why? Just why? I just, I'm so over it. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of the celebrity watches. They just need to be in a museum. That's fine. Let's I'm get with over you. And I, done with this. I'm going to be honest. I really have become soured on watch spotting. Yeah. Uh, I'm not about it anymore. When I, I feel like when I first got into it, I thought it was cool because I wanted to know what the celebrities are wearing. And now I just don't care. Yeah. Because half of them are given those watches anyway by their stylists or their PR firms or whatever. It's all smoke and mirrors made for us plebeians to, to, to just feel sad and yeah, jealous. I'm, I'm done with the it's celeb like, worship. Like, I, why am I surprised that somebody with a lot of money has nice things? Yeah. And, and, and I would say this since we're on this topic real quick. I'm, I, it's even more so when it's the influencers. That's what really just gets me. Like when influencers are wearing it, because again, you just know that no matter what, they did not do anything to get that. It was hey, 100%. The I, word. I, get, I get loved in with this piece. No, no, no. no. I'm, not, I'm talking about like fashion influencers, not watch influencers. No, yeah, yeah, I know. There's a difference. There's certainly a difference. I would not, I would not talk about my own people that way. But no, when it comes to like fashion influencers yeah. or people that are like, you know, these young Gen Z or millennial people that just make ungodly amounts of money on YouTube and they're like, here, wear this gold watch to flaunt around and do stupid bicycle tricks with your friends. Like, I just, maybe I'm just a hater, but. I can't. That's what we do here. It's fun. <laughs> is, is there anything else you got on your list? Yeah, I, friend, I got there? one more we can uh, okay. end off with. So a brand Fire that's out. always kind of been a little bit of a blind spot for me. And I've recently, I don't want to say got into it, but somebody who's followed my page for a long time has nonstop DM me about picking up a Nomos. And he finally did. Hello, Toby. Listens every week. Tells me about it. But he has sent me so many Nomos models, and he's finally landed on one. And we which gone, one did he get? You know, I, I don't know the exact one off the top of my head, but it's it's a blue dial, and I think it's got orange accents. And I want to say it's have a club. A, I think it's a club. Does it, does it have Kelly Kelly numbers? I want to say yes. So it's like Arabic's on top. No, no, I know what you mean. I just I, I'm just not sure if it is, but I, I want to say it's a club. If it, 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 yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a it's a club campus with the blue dial and and the orange kind of accented numbers. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the. But model. so we've been going back and forth, not only about the watch, then after that, straps, bracelets, the whole nine. Like it's been forever. But so I'm finally in touch with Nomos. Right? And originally, I was drawn to the Orion 
It's a nice, pretty affordable option around two grand. Yes. yes. 38 mils, eight mils thick, small seconds, which is always kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 30 meters water resistance. I know that's not going to fly with everybody. Yeah. 19 millimeter lugs. You know, it's I, okay. They have plenty of straps on their website. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I feel like we're, as I was going through, I was kind of losing people. I could see it falling off. Yeah. But while I kept going, that newer Nomos that just came out, the Neomatic 42. Yeah. Yeah. A little more pricey. It's around four grand. Yeah. 10, 10 millimeters thick, but it's got that, that traditional steel sports look everybody loves. Yeah, and it's on that new bracelet. Yeah, it's on a new bracelet. Bracelet, it's got kind of that even numbered explorer type dial, so it doesn't have the three six nine. It's got all the other ones. Get it blue or black, and check this out: three hundred meter water resistance. Yeah, so it's got on the bottom of the dial. It says a thousand feet. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, no, it's 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 a very good looking watch, and I and I will tell you this: I've been a fan of Nomos for a while, and some other other stuff like. The one you just mentioned, I can certainly see somebody really enjoying that and loving it. I'm just, I've, I got so hung up on the original Nomos Club that eventually that's just going to be the watch that I have to buy. I will say this though, as a caveat to anybody maybe listening to this who has never tried a Nomos on, I always tell everyone to downsize. They were a so little if big. You go, mm-hmm. Because they're all dial and very minuscule bezel. Yes. And the lugs are very long. So if you have a smaller wrist in circumference, um, if you think you would wear a 38, you need to wear a 35. You need to wear a 36 because they just, the lugs in most cases extend past. So it, it's, it's kind of the one thing that I is a is a gripe that I have about Nomos. Everything else I love. I love that a lot of the movements are made in-house. They do their own technology. They're developing their own, you know, uh regulation system. I think that's what the 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 Neomatic is uh is kind of about. It's like its own regulation system for their movements. Um and they're making complications too. So it's not just like time and date or, right. or manual one, they're making automatics. They're making, you know, pointer date indications, things like that, that they're really cool. Power reserves um, is a really cool model in the Tangente, uh, Tangente line that I love. It's like a mint green with like a power reserve and in, in indicator incorporated into the dial. So very, very, very cool. Yeah, watch. They got some different stuff, right? They got like the Tetra. Yeah, and, 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 and yeah, exactly. Te- I'm sorry. That's the model I'm thinking about, the Tetra. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, Again, you know, it, at the fact that you can get into a nice Nomos at like $1,600 for like the OG club, well under $2,000. could do worse. It, you, you could do worse. I mean, to, to get, a, to get a, a watch with their own design language, true Bauhaus design, with an in-house movement. Granted, it's manual wine and lower water resistance, but there's a lot of worse brands out there to get in that similar price point. Oh, yeah. They don't sure. have as much history or their own you kind you know kind of unique look or own authenticity so i think you know going with it with something like that would be really cool i love it it's a great solid choice and i think you said your 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 buddy's name was toby yeah toby but great choice on the club. across the world <laughs> yeah good good choice on the club because if that's what you did indeed get 
um, I think it's a great franchise choice. That's always been my personal favorite. But yeah, I think it's kind of an under the radar brand for a lot of people. And I guess it's because it doesn't really, I mean, they have higher price stuff, but I wouldn't consider them competing in the upper price brackets. You no, know, they kind of no. lie in that under four, under three range, you know, you, and you can get some under two, which is great. Yeah. But you, you know, you get that cool, like you said, Bauhaus design language. And I think with this one, I think for a lot of people, they would say Nomos doesn't necessarily get the nod from a lot of non-watch people. But I think this one resembles more of those traditional steel sports models that a random person would say, hey, I could tell that's a pretty nice watch. Yeah. So that was kind of also a box checker I was looking for with this one. No, I think, again, I think it's a solid choice. Nomos is a great brand. I think uh, at one point in time, they had a little bit more popularity. They've kind of waned a little bit. Um, but I think, you know, with some of their newer stuff coming out, pushing the envelope, you know, in-house technologies, things like that, that they're, they're starting to get some of that back. So it'll be exciting to see how, how they do things going forward. Yeah. And I know that's all I got. You have any more up your sleeve? No, man. I, 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 I am all tapped out. Um, Moonwatch is kind of my big one. I, actually, you know what? I'll say one more. If uh, since we're talking about Moonwatch, the Railmaster, the Omega Railmaster. I think I it's a super that. underrated watch. 150 meters water resistance, Master Chronometer certified, all matte finish case, and just a very good, in my opinion, field watch that you could wear for literally everything. And are there a few different sizes on that? So the Railmaster, there was a Harris's model that came in at kind of the OG size, which is like 37.5, yeah. 38, something like that. That's what I was thinking of. Which is so super good. Um, but those were limited editions, and I believe that they're sold out. So Probably if you're able to down. snag one or, or find one, um, you know, jump on it because it's, it's a great looking watch. But it's going to be more the vintage proportions. Uh, the, the, the current production model, to my knowledge, is 40 mil i believe um and that one's kind of like a retro inspired watch but that's more the one i'm talking about um because you, again accessibility right you can get it yeah and it's a great looking steel sports watch black dial blue dial or silver dial it looks good on all different straps it's 20 mil lugs if you want it on the all steel bracelet you can get a steel brushed oyster style bracelet and you know for just over a few, uh, just over five thousand dollars from an Omega. It's a great timepiece. So that would be kind of an honorable mention of mine that I would suggest. But that's all I got. Yeah, and I think the idea of the one watch collection, I think it is appealing I, for all the reasons we listed earlier. I don't know if I could ever do it. I feel like that would kind of kill my passion for the hobby a little bit. I think I enjoy having 100%. the choice and the customization and just the variety of whether it be complications or different types of watches or what have you. I think I just enjoy, I don't want to use the cliche term, but curating a collection yeah. of things that I feel like speak to me, you know? Yeah. And how else could I participate in all those what are you wearing stories, right? If, if I only have one watch, everybody knows. They don't have to ask. And who am I going to annoy tagging them every day? That's This is true. Yeah. It's like if you, if you weren't tagged in a what watch are you wearing today, did you really even wear a watch? 
if nobody knows what you wore today, are you, you even really a watch even, collector? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I'll say this too. It's like, um, to that point, you know, for me, when it comes to watch collecting, there's times when I don't wear a watch for a good amount of time. But as I've mentioned before in this podcast, picking it back up, winding it, setting it, wearing it, you start to remember why you fell in love with it in the first place. And that brings back a lot of memories, a lot of joy. And so for me, it, it, it would be an impossible task, really and truly, to go down to a one watch collection. I could do it for a number of months or or maybe a year or two, but I could never do it permanently because, you know, as you mentioned, our friend Sam said earlier, it's like, you know, you feel like you're neglecting your kids. Like there's there's a there's a bit of soul in each one of these watches that you're just not being able to enjoy. And uh, I think for, for me personally, that rings true a little bit. It's like eventually you're looking like, oh, Little Bosch talk. I haven't worn you in six months. Let me put you out. It's your day to day. Yeah, let's and you're go. just gonna put them on and rock it, right? And like just go. So I think that there's something to be said for that. But for me, I'm a multi watch collector. I will collect everything under the sun that if I if I find it appealing and it's in my price point and I want to get it, um, I'm gonna buy it and I'm gonna enjoy it and I'm gonna love it. And I'm gonna wear it. I may not wear it every single day or every single week or every single month, but I will br- come back to it. I will wear it again, and uh, and I'm gonna enjoy it as all of us should. Yeah. So those, hey, those one watch folks out there, I give them a lot of credit. Cheers to you. I don't think it's for me. And I think that's okay. And, it, and it's not for me either. So, <laughs> all right. I think that just about wraps episode seven. Everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. I think you'll be hearing this afterwards, but hey, I hope you survived the trip to Fancoma and everything like that. <laughs> Pray for me. Yeah. <laughs> Pray for me. So real quick before you go, though, bro, what are you whipping up? Are you whipping up something cool? Oh, dude, I, you know, I got two crazy days of prep work ahead of me. And then the big okay. day where I, I'm responsible for the birds. Oh, that's a lot of pressure. We got mad takeouts. I got people who are going to get them carved in house. Like those things got to be on point. So you're not excited for Thanksgiving at all. This is like this is work for you. Uh, it's super work, but. You know, anybody needs a recipe or something, hit me up. I got tons of them. <laughs> yeah. I need, I need you to DM me that stuffing recipe. Let's oh, go. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. All right, brother. You have a happy Thanksgiving. My best to the family. And uh, I guess we'll catch everyone Same on to the you. next one. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours and all you at home. Peace. Deuces. Deuces.